0: pastor a church here in the greater Los Angeles area. It's a normal church. It's uh, There's there's no celebrities here. Uh, I'm a normal guy. I preach the word, kiss my wife, play with the kids. You know, I'm just a normal guy. We had a, a young couple who joined our church, and uh, they told me as I was doing their membership interview that, that he worked uh, for Kanye West. And I asked him who that was. I said, who is that? And he's <laughs> like, well, he's the, he's the husband of Kim Kardashian, and uh, so he started to tell me you know, how he worked with him and that his wife actually was a nanny for some of the, of the Kardashian kids. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, that's, that's super cool. I, I didn't think much about it. They joined our church. Uh, this young couple's in our small group and he begins to ask me, this young man begins to ask me, hey, Kanye's got questions about God. What should I do? And I said, well, you should answer them from the Bible. Yeah. And he's like, well, I do. But sometimes he has some kind of hard questions that kind of over my head. Would you be willing to talk to him? And I'm like, absolutely. I'll talk to anybody yeah. anytime about the Lord Jesus.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, we want to thank one of our sponsors here, J Radio. J Radio is an incredible online music platform. They have all kinds of genres. They have ska music. They have opera. They have Brian's favorite, Hard Rock Screamo. How did you get into Hard Rock Screamo, Brian?
2: I'm a nut. What can I say? (laughs) Uh, Who's your favorite band? Uh... I don't know any bands in that genre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you can
1: find them on J Radio, Brian. You can type in hard rock screamo and find us a, a favorite
2: band, all right? Brian Head Welch.
1: Brian Head Welch. There it is. You knew corn. All right. Korn. Hey, we want to thank J Radio for being our sponsor here. You can find them at jradio.com. You can download the app today on your Apple phone or Google Play Music Apple phones obviously in iTunes. It's JRadio.com. Let's get this show started. Y'all ready?
3: Let's go.
2: Let's go. The Recovering Fundamentalist podcast starts in three. You know what makes
3: women stupid is called Jesus was not a bartender. I'm you have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have
1: given
2: me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches, and you know that. Say amen right there. What?
1: Let me tell you something, Bozo. they will be selling frosties in hell for this boy.
2: Who puts on a pair of pink
1: underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age.
2: Hi, man.
1: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your host, I'm JC in Ringgold, Georgia. Coming to you from Trenton, Georgia, it's Nathan Cravad. And in Danville, Virginia, we got Brian Edwards. Fellas, how are you today? Doing great, man.
2: I'm doing fantastic.
1: Good. I'm sick of being in quarantine, ready for the Wi Fi to be healthier and stronger when we get back to J Radio.
3: Yes. Hey, what's your, what's your favorite part about quarantine and your least favorite part about quarantine?
1: Brian. Is my, my favorite, favorite part of quarantine. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part of quarantine is, um, you know, I'm with my family a lot. Uh, my wife talked me into using the garden tiller that she bought. You guys should have seen me. It was just like an episode of Alaska, The Last Frontier. I was tilling the dirt and uh, subsistence living at its best over at the Edwards residence. I'm out there fighting with this garden tiller, and uh, I fought the tiller, and the, I won. Uh, But man, we, I went out yesterday and I'm, I'm, I'm putting vegetables down in the ground. I'm embarrassed to say this. The tiller was three, four years old and it didn't even have dirt on it. And so my wife kept on bringing this up. Like I bought you a tiller. You didn't even use it. You have no idea how much I paid for that tiller. Other people are having gardens. Look, and she starts calling names. Then she makes it a competition. (laughs) Women know what they're doing. And so there I am out there uh, with a farmer's hat on. I need to send you guys a pic of that. So vegetables are in the ground. Yeah, so that's my favorite part, I guess, being with my family and uh, slowing down. My least favorite part, my least favorite part is not being able to be with the people that I love, Um, you know, that I love. I'm all Zoomed out. You know, we we keep having meetings and Zoom meetings, and I'm ready for some in-person discipleship time, some collective worship time. I really miss that. I think my
1: favorite part of being in quarantine has been at home in our house. You know, six kids, beautiful wife, dog, uh, just getting to spend time with them a lot of time. Like the few times that I've left, you know, just that, uh, that closeness that has been created there because dad's home all the time, not going to work. I've absolutely loved that. And I think the thing I've missed most, and to be honest with you, is uh, cheese dip at the Mexican restaurant La Fiesta down here in Ringgold. Man, I am missing some Mexican food big time. Yeah. Man, I've eaten more Zaxby's in the last 3 weeks than I care to admit. <laughs> Free shout out
3: <laughs> sponsor. Yeah. I actually just picked up Mexican lunch to go. Ate it here at the church before we started recording. So man, I'm I'm ready to go
1: that 's awesome and hey, we 've had some incredible episodes here lately and uh, justin Knight i don 't think you guys have met Justin Knight yet, but Justin is our behind the scenes guy runs our website, does all that He sent some graphs this week, and guys, we are bordering on three hundred thousand downloads three hundred thousand downloads. Wow. This is our ninth episode, and uh, we just want to thank you the listeners for continuing to uh, check in and uh, Your response has been amazing. We still would love to hear your story of uh, how we're helping, how we're encouraging you, or how we're challenging you. We know that not everybody that listens to the RFP is a fan. And so we want to hear from you. You can go to recoveringfundamentalist.org and uh, click on the tab that says stories. You can listen and read stories there, or you have an opportunity to share a story with us. And today I'm excited. We got a young man on with us, a pastor out in Los Angeles who has an incredible story his name is Adam Tyson and he is joining us here on the podcast today so all the way from Los Angeles Adam Tyson how are you
0: sir Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Great to be with you. Happy to be on today. And uh let's zoom it up, baby. Let's zoom let's, it up.
1: Let's do it. So Adam is the pastor. Tell us the name of your I've tried to pronounce the name of your church, but it, it just doesn't work. Tell it's us the name of your one. church.
0: It's a tough one. It's Placerita Bible Church. And so we're placerita. In the placerita Canyon. If you think about a Spanish name, it means the little place. The little place. We have a canyon called Placerita Canyon. And then our church is Placerita Bible Church. We're actually right next door to the Master's University, okay. believe it or not. It's right next door. It's a little Bible college of about 2,000 students. And so we have a lot of young uh, college kids at our church, a lot of young families. It's a church of about three to 400 people. And uh, we're about 35, 40 minutes from downtown L.A. And uh, we're loving it here at Placerita Bible Church.
1: That's
2: awesome. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Hey,
1: Adam, just just let us know who you are. Go, take us back to the beginning, you know, how, how you came to know Jesus, how you get your calling into ministry, how God led you from Georgia as a Georgia boy to out there in Los Angeles. Just kind of give us a picture of who Adam Tyson is.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Born and raised in Georgia, a small town named Cochran. It's a couple hours south of Atlanta. And uh, grew up in a Christian home. Mom and dad loved Jesus. Loved my brother, my sister. We had time in the Word every morning before school. Uh, raised mm-hmm. in church. Uh, we, we went to a couple of different churches growing up. I think when I was born, we were in a Methodist church. Then we went to a charismatic church for about 10 years. That was some interesting times. And then we went to uh, <laughs> Southern Baptist church. And then I, um, you know, I just kind of came to Christ as an eight-year-old kid. My dad would put me and my brother in the bed every night, read Scripture, pray with us, like any uh, godly father hopefully would be doing on a regular basis. Yeah. And I remember one night he read to me Romans chapter six, and mm-hmm. he was uh, getting to the end of that great chapter, and verse twenty-three says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God." Is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God just used that verse, that one simple verse, like so many times, there's just one verse that jumps out of the page, grabs your heart. And as he began to explain that I deserve death and I deserve God's wrath because of my sin, all of a sudden I just broke. I realized I'm on my I'm on my way to hell. In fact, that's what my dad said. You deserve to go to hell. And he Mm -hmm. just paused. And my dad's a really soft spoken, gentle father. But when he spoke the words of truth, God. Convicted my heart, the Holy Spirit uh, began to shine light into my soul that I needed Jesus. I needed a redeemer. I needed somebody to die in my place because I can't do it. And it was kind of like, oh, that's why Jesus came. That's why he died because the wages of my sin is death. But that free gift comes through Jesus Christ. So I believe God saved me in that moment. That's awesome. Um, You know, walk walk the aisle, if you will, a phrase that we use all the times when somebody gets saved the next Sunday. And uh, signed a card, joined the church, became, you know, uh, a member of our church and just started, um, you know, living my life uh, for the Lord. You know, through high school, I would say I was a Christian. I was still in the Word, trying to evangelize my friends. At the same time, I was pursuing sports and pursuing hunting and fishing and everything else any good Georgia boy is going to do. And it really was when I was in college that I realized I needed to, to make some decisions to either go all out for the Lord with no shame, no reservation, or I could just kind of keep being somewhat, you know, mediocre. And so the Lord just got a hold of my heart that first year or two of college and just started giving me a passion for the supremacy of Christ in all things. All I wanted to do was to preach Christ and to share Christ with my friends. And it was just a radical season of life for me and uh, so a lot of people are like, oh, you're going to go in the ministry. God's called you to be a pastor. We can see it. And, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that. You know, I don't know <laughs> that that's what God has for me. I was interested in medicine. So I ended up, ended up applying to PA school and got accepted to be a physician's assistant. I went to the university of, um, uh, or the medical university there in Augusta. It used to be called uh, the medical university or, or medical college of Georgia and became a PA, moved to Savannah, Georgia to work as a physician's assistant in open heart surgery. So my job every day was to harvest the vein out of the leg that we use as a conduit to do the bypass in the heart. That's what I did for three and a half years. I was serving in a local Southern Baptist church, helping uh, teach Sunday school, and started uh, getting invitations to speak at youth camps, youth rallies, uh, preach at church on Sunday night. And people kept saying like, hey brother, God's called you to preach. Yeah. And I kept saying, well, he got to tell me that because, uh, he <laughs> yeah. might've told you that, but I just want to be faithful in whatever I'm doing. I believe you can be a faithful teacher, faithful fireman, faithful businessman. Amen. I was trying to be a faithful medical uh, professional and uh, somewhere in there though, uh, the desire to preach the word began to grow so strong that I just couldn't stay in my field anymore. So after reading lots of books, talking to a lot of pastors and, um, uh, thinking and praying about it, decided, you know what, I think it's time. So I resigned from my job, moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, attended the Master's University, Master's Seminary, rather, and uh, got an MDiv in expository preaching, and boom, the rest is history. Just started continuing to try to preach the word and to be faithful. Uh, got married, moved to Texas. I was a youth pastor for almost eight years, did a doctorate, and then I moved back here to California. 2013 and uh, pastor this church that I just told you guys about.
2: That's awesome. Pretty interesting to me because I just thought about the fact, you know, you were physically working with hearts. Now you're spiritually working with hearts. Uh, so the truth is, you know, one was temporary. Now the one is eternal.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would say that was actually when I started reading better Christian literature, I was reading Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and of course he was mm. a famous preacher in London, England, and was a, a physician himself before he became a pastor. And so he gave this quote, which really struck me. And he said, I, I got tired of helping people live longer so they could sin more. And I wanted to help people live forever where they never sin again. And so as I just started uh, thinking about that, I'm like, you know what? That's how I feel. I, I, I love working in open heart surgery. I got to pray with patients, share the gospel every day. But uh, I also just started thinking, you know what? I, I want to really get involved in that spiritual work of the inner man, the heart, the soul of a man or a woman to help them find eternal life in Christ. And that was really pretty much what did it for me is I just, I just like, I got to do it. I can't, I can't, I can't wait any longer. I got to go and give it, give it my all. And I I think we should be doing that in every field every day. But for some people, God's called them clearly into a vocational ministry and that was what was happening in my life.
3: That's awesome. So John MacArthur has been very, influential in my life as well through Moody Radio, listening to him, then once you get to the YouTube age and now internet and being able to follow his sermons online. He's been very influential in my life. How did a Methodist slash Pentecostal boy end up at the Master Seminary? I think there's a few blanks there you need to fill in for us.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well after the Methodist church, probably zero to four, the Pentecostal type church from four to fourteen. Then we went Southern Baptists, and of course that's a lot more reasonable in in, uh, in denominationalism, as uh, you know, more biblical, I would say. So the more I grew in my faith, in my love for God's Word, and not just looking for another experience or another sign or another wonder, I began to be more tied to Scripture. So what does the Bible say about that? And so as I began to just have a hunger for the Scripture, all the fluff just kind of fell to the wayside. I, I wasn't interested in a lot of hype. I wasn't interested in a lot of show and tell. I was interested in the meat of God's word. And so mm-hmm. I began to try to find preaching that would fill and flood my soul with the light of God through his word. And so I've enjoyed a lot of good preachers. I'd listened to, you know, Charles Stanley, I think at the time he was preaching from the Bible. It still, still is. Maybe I don't keep up with him as much anymore, but there was Charles Stanley. Then there was like Tony Evans uh, from Dallas, you know, then, then there was the whole promise keepers movement. So I started tying in to some of these guys that I thought were preaching the word. And to be honest with you, I didn't know that much about John MacArthur, as you mentioned, you know, East Coast, Georgia boy. I didn't really know that much about him. But the more I started growing in my love for God's word, that name started coming up. I'd hear him sometimes on the radio. People would ask me, what do you think about John MacArthur? And I'd be like, man, that brother preaches the Bible. You know, he may not have all the bells and whistles that, uh, of personality that sometimes people demonstrate in the pulpit, but he's faithful, he's steady, and every time I hear a message, I learn something I had no idea was in God's Word before, and that's what I want to be. I want to be somebody who exposes people to the Word of God by explaining the text in a way that we can understand its original content, meaning, and uh, we can uh, have those timeless truths impact us still today. So I would just say it was just, you know, part of that transition was just a hunger for that kind of teaching. I I was turned on to John Piper, Louis Giglio, and others in that passion movement. And that had a mark on my life as well because those guys were passionate and also thoroughly biblical. And uh, so I thought about uh, a couple of different seminaries. I thought about Southern with Al Mohler. I did think about DTS. I considered uh, Reformed Theological Seminary as well. Those were kind of the seminaries I was looking at. And once I saw just the emphasis on the Word of God at Master's Seminary, I just thought, you know what? That's a total different change of pace for me. It's not tied to any denominationalism. It's just the Bible. I think I'm going to go check it out. And who who doesn't love Southern California? So that's not yeah. a bad uh, pull either. So I ended up moving out here to, to attend the Master's Seminary.
2: So one thing you just said that I think is good, J.C. Nathan, for our fundamentalist, Recovering Fundamentalist audience to hear um, you know, the kind of preaching we were brought up on and where where all of us started was you take a text verse and you basically get that out of the way and then preach the idea you had uh, that you actually searched for a verse to match with that. Um, and so basically, you know, what we had was a text verse. Then there were three points. There were good stories. There There was a lot of Ranting at times, very little scripture and very little that expounded a text or revealed the deeper truth of the text. so I think it's really good for our audience to hear that because you know it, it's it's a completely different way of preaching God's word instead of uh, you know the scripture being the diving board, and then your thoughts and ideas being the swimming pool, now God's word is both the diving board. And the swimming pool. Um, that's a completely different way of thinking about preaching.
0: Amen to that. I mean, it's all about the word of God, right? Jesus says in John 17, 17, sanctify them in your truth and that your word is truth. So what we want to do is not do what's sometimes called eisegetical teaching, where you're taking your ideas and forcing it, you know, into the Bible to proof text it, but you're just taking the Bible, you're explaining the original audience, the author who's writing. The language that he's writing in uh and giving that context so that then you see the power of the inspired word of god and you let that be the sword that cuts people to the heart it's not your thought it's not your hobby horse it's not your issue it's the living word of god who became flesh in the person of christ that changes hearts and changes lives we need to preach Christ, nothing else. Come on. Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. I'm going to tell you Adam, you just taught more in that 3 minutes than some guys have learned in all their homiletics and hermeneutical classes at these independent fundamental Baptist schools. So, <laughs> thanks for that right there. Hey, I got I was curious. You you've been in a lot of different denominations and the premise for this podcast, a lot of things that we talk about is legalism within the church. Um, just interested if you've seen legalism at different levels since you were Southern Baptist, you were, you know, charismatic uh, at Masters. What was the, what is your uh, relationship, if you will, or your experience in uh, with legalism?
0: I, I think legalism exists in every context to some yes. degree yeah. because it's really finding habits and rules and thought processes that were. Accustomed to, or that we feel strongly about, and we begin to elevate that over the Word of God. And sometimes people use their conscience too much as well. Mm. They'll say something like, "Well, I can't do that because it goes against my conscience." So my first question to that person is, "What well, does it go against Scripture?" Because our conscience is not the authority; the Scripture is. So we first have to educate our conscience to be in tune and in sync to the yeah. Word of God, yeah. because the Word of God is the authority. So I think any of us in any walk of life, whether it's Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Baptist, there's certain things that those denominations and people in those denominations are, I'm stereotyping, but there's certain things sometimes that we tend toward and hold tightly to. And if we really examine it in the light of scripture, we might be surprised that of many of those things that we held close come shattering down
3: yeah. at the
0: beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and That's his right. word who gives us full freedom, but also gives us very clear truth that we want to adhere to. And so really the goal is we don't want to fall in either ditch. We don't want to fall in the ditch of legalism, holding on to our hobby horses and our passions. And we don't want to fall into the ditch of libertinism, where you have no rules, no restrictions. You do whatever you want, like Romans 6, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound by no means. And our goal is to walk right in the middle, right in the power of the Spirit, in the balance of the beauty of God's word. And that's where we start to see the fruit of the spirit being displayed in our life. As we're focusing on Christ, we're focusing on the heart of the situation and we're really just loving Christ and loving people by, by living a life for him, not for anything else.
1: That's awesome. I think, you know, Adam, in this last year, there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast or some that know, uh, folks that are listening to this podcast would throw you in the ditch of libertinism. Um you have had a very unique opportunity in the last year uh to to be to step out if you will on a very uh, worldly incredible huge platform and deliver the gospel in an incredible way. And uh for those of all, our listeners that don't know Adam uh, has been traveling uh and done some of these Sunday services with Kanye West. Um and he's actually been to his church, and uh, I, I came across Adam when he preached in Salt Lake City at the outdoor mall there, and I saw the video from a cell phone of somebody that said, this is the gospel, just presented without question, unfiltered, just phenomenally laid out there that this is the gospel. And I actually had a former student that gave their life to Jesus at Salt Lake City at the mall at a Kanye West Sunday service. And so we started looking into you, man, and just, I thought, you know what, if there's anybody that could talk about legalism, because if you know it or not, there's a lot of people that, A, don't believe that Kanye saved, We're not here to debate that on this podcast, but don't believe that you as a Christian should be doing these Sunday services. Believe that it's watered down. I I listened to a gentleman that is on, uh, Stephen Anderson, that's on our intro right there. I mean, he has a whole sermon preached about you on on YouTube. If you didn't know that, now you do. You can go watch it later. It's really great. You'll learn a lot about yourself. Um, But, you know, just talking about uh, just how you're worldly and, and not a follower of Jesus and you're sending people to hell by preaching the gospel. And so uh, just walk us through kind of how this all came about with Kanye, his conversion, your role in this, how God's using you at these Sunday services and kind of where you feel that's at right now and the platform that God has given you there. Yeah.
0: man, that's, that's a lot of, lot of, a lot of thoughts, definitely over the last year of incredible things that have happened. But basically I, I pastor a church here in the greater Los Angeles area it's a normal church, it's, uh, there's, there's no celebrities here, uh, I'm a normal guy, I preach the word, kiss my wife, play with the kids, you know, I'm just a normal guy. We had a, a young couple who joined our church and uh, they told me as I was doing their membership interview that, that he worked uh, for Kanye West and I asked him who that was. I said, who is that? And he's <laughs> like, well, he's the, he's the husband of Kim Kardashian, and uh, so he started telling me, you know, how he worked with him and, and his wife actually was a nanny for some of the, of the Kardashian kids. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's that's super cool. I, I didn't think much about it. They join our church. Uh, this young couples in our small group and he begins to ask me, this young man begins to ask me, hey, Kanye's got questions about God. What should I do? And I said, well, you should answer them from the Bible. Yeah. And he's like, well, I do. But sometimes he has some kind of hard questions that's kind of over my head. Would you be willing to talk to him? And I'm like, absolutely. I'll talk to anybody, yeah. anytime about the Lord Jesus. Come I on. didn't think much about it. Several months passed. And um, all of a sudden, he shows up at our church. Uh, literally on a Sunday morning, I think it was last May, about the middle of the month, of 2019. Um, I get up. I preach. Uh, close in prayer. Leave. I didn't think anything about it. Everybody comes up to me and say, "Did you know who was here today?" And I'm like, "Who?" And they were like, "Kanye West." And I just, I still didn't really know who that was. I'm like, who, "Who's who's here?" And they were like, "Kanye, the guy we've been telling you about, he was here." And I'm like, "He came?" And they were like, "Yeah, he showed up today." And so he came in the back of the church. He was there with a few other people. And I'm just like, "Wow, that's really interesting." You know, and I was trying to remember what did I preach about today. I wonder about <laughs> the message, you know, because it was just like a normal <laughs> Sunday. I didn't think that much about it. A week later, he shows up again. And then I'm like, well, now I know God's at work because nobody Mm. comes to our church twice (laughs) unless they want to hear the word of God (laughs) preached." And so it's evident God's doing something. He visited a third time. And then after that, um, he hung out after church where I'm meeting and shaking hands with everybody at the back of the church. And we have this conversation where he tells me that he got radically saved. And I said, hey, Kanye, that's awesome, man. Tell Mm. me about that. But what do you mean by that? And he began to try to put words to his testimony about where he had been, what God had been doing in his life. And then basically asked if we could meet together. We met a couple of weeks later in my office on a Tuesday night from like 8 p.m. till 11. And all Mm. we did was talk about life transformation. And all I did was actually open up my Bible and just say, hey, Kanye, I want to share with you the gospel of Christ from the scripture to make sure you and I are talking about the same thing. So we talked about Mm. the holiness of God. We talked about the sinfulness of man. We talked about the person of Jesus Christ. And we talked about repentance and faith and belief, what that is, that those are gifts of God that he instills in a person when he transforms them, the doctrine of regeneration. And we just discussed all that. And as we're doing that, he's just like having a blast. He's like, amen. He's like, yeah, I believe that he take out his phone, take some pictures of my Bible as I'm pointing at certain verses. And I'm like, hey, bro, do you have a Bible? I can give you a Bible. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I got a Bible. I just want to make sure I got this verse because I'm going to look at it again. So it was just really refreshing, um, like you would with any new convert, new person in the faith. Tons of questions, just bringing, uh, bringing clarity to, this, to, to the gospel and to what was going on in his life. And out of that uh, became a relationship. We started a Bible study here in Los Angeles where I invited Kanye to say, hey, man, I'd love to, you know, he was still asking me lots of questions. Hey, do you want me to teach a Bible study? I'd love for you to invite anybody that you want, any family member, any uh, friend, anybody who works with you, they're welcome to come. So we started this Tuesday night Bible study would be anywhere from from 20 to 50 people would show up. And I would just go for broke every Tuesday night. I'm just preaching the gospel. And I'm calling people to faith in Christ alone. I mean, I'm just like no holds bar, going for it every single Tuesday night, thinking like, that'll be the last time I'm ever invited to preach. in <laughs> this And then Kanye was loving it. He would, he would have conversations. We would talk openly in front of those who were there. Then he moved to Cody, Wyoming. Um, so I started doing Bible studies in Cody, Wyoming. Out of that came his music where... He wasn't sure if he would continue in his music career. I really encouraged him to rap for Jesus, just out of the blue. I'm just like, hey man, if you're this awesome rapper that everybody talks about, I had never <laughs> heard a song. I didn't know, you know any of his music, um, but I'm just like, why don't you just rap for God? You know, I'm like, have you ever heard of Lecrae? He's like, no. Have you ever heard of Trip Lee, Tadashi? You know, I'm starting to name all the rappers that I listen to with my kids. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, I've never AJ heard of five, any of those two. guys. Yeah, there you go. (laughs)
1: Jradio.com.
0: So I just told him, I said, hey, man, why don't you rap for God? And sure enough, next time we get together, he's like, hey, I want you to hear my beats. I'm like, what beats? He's like, God done gave me 10 songs. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I'll be happy to hear them. (laughs) So he starts playing these songs that are now on the Jesus is King album. And I'm like, Kanye, this is good stuff, man. This is you in Christ. This is your style, your gift your artistic ability to do this for Christ, and then, you know, he started telling me a little bit about Sunday service, and I started just uh, trying to learn what that was about, and, and uh, how, how that was going, and he asked me what I thought about it, and I just said, look, man, I think that you need someone preaching the gospel at those events, and I think that you should do gospel music like y'all have been doing it, but I think you should get up and rap. I think you should get up and share your testimony and rap for Jesus. I think that would be a unique program to have gospel music with your choir, which he loves, Uh, have somebody preach the gospel. I was very clear with them. Doesn't have to be me, just somebody who can get up and preach the gospel. And then you get up, maybe get part of your testimony and just rap for Jesus. I think that'd be a huge hit. I think you should do it. Uh, I think he was already thinking those thoughts maybe, but that's kind of what happened to Sunday service. It started going down that kind of path and God just started using it to be this phenomenal cultural event like a wave across the nation that was interested in what he was saying what he was doing and what was coming out of that and there was a run from the end of september all the way through the end of the year of events that were happening that were that were just phenomenal uh cultural um you know opportunities for people to hear the gospel so being a little bit a part of that having taught at some of those is a phenomenal opportunity a privileged event And uh, so, you know, maybe to answer your question, you probably have the question, well, what about the fundamentalists who say you shouldn't have done that? Yeah. Uh, My answer would be like, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But I believe (laughs) that was free in Christ to do it because I was invited to come preach the gospel. So nobody asked me to endorse all that happens at Sunday service or all that happens in Kanye West's life. What they asked me to do is, would you be willing to come preach the gospel? And I told Mm. Kanye the first time he asked me that, I'm like, I don't think you want that. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, because if I preach the gospel, people are gonna be offended. And some people are not gonna like that. They just wanna come hear you because you're this really cool guy. But if you preach just Jesus, it might change the way it goes. And he's like, no, we can do both. And this would be his heart to this day. We can be cool, we can be who we are. He's obviously a gifted man who's an entrepreneur, in building in fashion in design in development he's like the renaissance man i'm telling you this guy's got gifts coming out his ears and what he wanted to do is just do all of that still because that's part of who he is but to let people know he's doing it for god and Mm. he's doing it out of an act of worship and service to his god well i can get behind that you know i can get behind somebody who's still going to be involved in culture involved in community doing what they do, but they're doing it now for a different master. And the master that he's doing it for is God. And so I can get behind that. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but for me, as we prayed about it, talked about it with my wife, with my kids, with the elders at our church, they were all pretty much unified. Like, hey, Adam, we're behind you 100%. You know, go for it. Wherever you can, whatever you can do to help people grow in their walk with Jesus, we think you ought to do
3: it. We all came from a background that demonized culture. Hmm. Anything that was art that wasn't specifically Christian art, any kind of movies, going to the theater, going to the movie houses, any kind of secular music, it was all demonized. And I know there's an aspect of worldliness that Christians are not supposed to be worldly, but fundamentalism is deeply steeped in separatism and basically rejecting culture. And that's where standing on the corner with a bullhorn saying, you're all going to hell. And we all know how well that works. But that's where that mentality comes from. Whereas, you know, I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear you saying that aspects of culture can be redeemed and can be used because ultimately, culture comes from us bearing the image of God. We were created in His image, and He is an artist, and He loves beauty, and He's gifted us. So I love that, that you're encouraging Kanye to redeem these gifts for the glory of God. Sure, and that's, that's all him. That's what God's
0: doing in him, and that's his passion, is to do what he does for the Lord. And I just think that we need to understand that, that our goal is to preach the gospel and all of that. So our goal is in our art, in our design, in our fashion, that somewhere, somehow, we're giving all the credit to God, all the glory to God, and we're looking for those conversations with people who have similar interests so that we can evangelize them. So if I'm a big sports fan, and I love the Los Angeles Dodgers, then it's easy for me to have a conversation with someone who loves the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we can talk baseball all day long, but somewhere in there, I might have an opportunity to invite that person to church or to share with them about my faith and I think that uh, we need to you know live in the world but not be of the world
2: well I think too you know how many of those guys that criticized you for being a part of Sunday service if they had the opportunity to be a part of a Hank Williams Jr. (laughs) kind of (laughs) redeemed situation or you know you just call out another name how many of them would would gladly associate themselves just for the sake of the attention. And yet I love the fact that you're making this about the gospel. I mean, let's just be honest in the eyes of God. Kanye is, he's a soul in need of redemption. We highlight fame. We highlight fortune. We highlight notoriety. You know, Jesus died for Kanye in the same way he did the homeless guy that if you're downtown Los Angeles, going to Roscoe's chicken and waffles. Uh, that you may would have the opportunity to share Jesus with and so I'm glad that you've made it about the gospel and I love it too you know in our our little pre-conversation before the podcast actually started you're talking about the fact that you know you, you embrace being a nobody that you're not trying to be a big time guy you're just trying to be faithful with the gospel I love that and I believe that's why God put you in that position because Adam just to be honest a lot of guys couldn't handle the opportunity Mm -hmm. that you've been given and they would have actually altered the gospel due to the person they were in the room with.
0: Well, if we love the Lord Jesus, all we want to do is preach him, teach him, expose people to his beauty. So I think that we got to be the same through and through. I mean, a true Christian uh, is a soldier of the Lord. We belong to him. He saved us and we're going to be the same wherever we go, whoever we're talking to. So I would just say it's really the overflow of our life. You know, it's not like I was ever expecting something like this to happen and whether it continues or, or that's it. I don't care. I care about loving people <laughs> and loving Jesus. And however I can do that, whether it's with somebody who's well-known or whether it's with my neighbor. You know, I've told people would ask me, well, why do you go uh, do this Bible study on Tuesday? You know, what about your community? And I'm like, oh, really? What about my community? You know, I'm here in my community every day at church and in our counseling ministry and in and, and the Christian clubs on school. I'll go anywhere. If my neighbor asked me to lead a Bible study on Tuesday night, I would be elated to lead a Bible study on Tuesday night. But guess what? My neighbor's not asking. Kanye West was asking, will yeah. you come lead this Bible study on Tuesday night? How can I say no to that?
3: Man, that's awesome. I, I had a question for you. Can you speak to the people who are setting the bar really high for Kanye West as a Christian? For example, I mentioned him at the end of a sermon a couple of months ago, and a dear friend of mine came up and said, Yeah, I'm kind of reserving my uh, judgment on whether or not he really got saved, just to kind of see what happens. I, I feel like the bar is being really set really high for Kanye as to, well, if, if he lives this perfect Christian life or However many years, then we'll see if he's a real Christian. Whereas, you know, in my experience, I know for the first ten years I didn't make any mistakes as a Christian. So surely Kanye West isn't (laughs) going to live up to that, right?
0: Yeah, I just think we got to give each other grace for new Christians who come to faith. He he understands the gospel. He's professed the gospel. He's clear about that. So we can give a lot of grace to help somebody grow and change to be who God wants them to be. And Kanye. You know, he's he's wanting to be open to a lot of different people. And I might have some thoughts about who to work with and how to work with people. But at the end of the day, I just tell him, hey, man, preach the gospel. Wherever you go, share your testimony, share what God's done in your life. Don't necessarily hook your train to any ministry or to any man, including me. But just hook your train to Jesus and go hard after him. I do think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, people who say, I'm just going to wait and, and see. I'm okay if they take that approach. I just think, you know, I'm not saying everybody in the world has to affirm what they're seeing. And I'm not saying everybody in the world has to, they certainly shouldn't say they don't think that he's a Christian because they've never talked to him. I mean, I did have one guy at our church who left our church over this issue, by the way, Hmm. who said, I don't think you should be involved because of X, Y, Z. And he, and he, and he gave it to me for for a while, for about an hour. And then I I just, I just asked him and got, then unloading his chest. And I just said, hey man, have you ever talked to Kanye West about his faith? Hmm. You know, he had, of course he had to say mm-hmm. no. And I'm like, well, how do you know what's yeah. going on in his heart? Like I've spent hours and hours and hours with my Bible open pleading with him and showing him and hearing his questions and addressing them from scripture. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to our almighty God, who's fully mm-hmm. capable of knowing who is his and who isn't, rather than to somehow act like I'm the judge who has to make this profession of statement about who's in and out. That's not my job. My job is to be faithful, to love, and to share, teach God's word, and to hold people accountable. Yeah, we call them out. if We see in clear sin. We do that with any brother. Um, So I'm not here to say, oh, there's a sin, there's a sin, therefore you're not saved. What if I treated (laughs) my kids like that? You know, I got yeah, five kids ages 14 to six. And what Bless if one you. of them had a bad day, which sometimes they do. And all of a sudden, <laughs> am I going to say, Well, I don't think you're a Christian because you acted out today? Then I'm teaching them a, legalist, a legalistic system yeah. that you're saved when you're acting good and you're not saved when you're not acting good. That's not how grace works.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think to talk to that point, Nate, you know, there's a lot of people that we have dealt with that maybe you haven't seen, Adam. I mean, you had a, a member there leave, but. You know, when we're posting these pictures, when we're seeing people, they're like, oh, we're just going to wait and see. You know, I think back to Naaman. I mean, this guy, you know, after he – said, I'm going to serve your God. He said, I want to take a piece of this dirt back to with me so I can, you know, when I sacrifice, I'm going to sacrifice with the dirt from this spot. His, his obedience wasn't perfect, but it was a step, you know, and I think as Kanye as is continuing to grow in his walk with Jesus, he's got people like you in his life that's teaching him scripture, that's really helping him continue to grow. And, you know, I mean, the, the legalistic side that will come out in folks is those that say, see, I told you, if he fails again, we're human. You know, we're, we're we're sinners. We have that sin nature. If he fails again, there's there's going to be sadly a large crowd that rises up and be like, "I told you he wasn't a Christian. See, it was all fake and phony." And you know, that's legalism that we're really trying to come against here.
0: Yeah, and to me, it's not necessarily if a person falls again; it's what do they do after they fall. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to fall again. It's yeah. going to happen. The question is, is there going to be genuine repentance over our sin and a change? That, that follows that of, of 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 trusting the Lord, asking for his forgiveness, walking in grace. I think that, and that can only be seen over time. I get that. But the idea is, is that we can't hold somebody to a higher standard than we hold ourselves to. Mm, that's right. And that, that's yeah. the real problem with fundamentalism is people are all in sin, and yet they're holding others to a higher standard than what God's yeah. word gives.
1: Nailed it. Mm. That's it, exactly.
2: Yeah, and I think another issue is Adam you know, your brothers don't hate you until you're wearing the coat of many colors.
3: Hmm.
2: (laughs) When they feel like your coat is brighter than theirs and you're getting opportunities that they're not. Sometimes that brings out the worst in the brethren. And yet, you know, if we believe God is sovereign, then we believe God ordains specific people for specific opportunities and, and for, you know, specific times. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm glad God put you where he put you, um, Yeah, you know, that he would take a, a Georgia boy and, and plant him in, in LA next to a famous seminary. And one of the world's most foremost entertainers didn't go to the huge seminary or any one of the mega churches in your area, but he ends up in the office of a transplanted Georgia guy who's trying to faithfully preach God's word to 300 people. And now he's got this guy who's known literally around the world sitting in front of you. That's not by accident. That's the work of a sovereign God. And so to speak against that is not to speak against Adam. It's to speak against God. Yeah. And I think anybody and everybody should be very careful about what they say. Hey, praise the Lord. You're wearing this coat of many colors. I applaud that, I thank God for that and and more than I'm interested in the Kanye story, I love the fact that on your website, you actually have Titus one seven through nine printed above your picture i've never I've never been to a website. Listen guys, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or a violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good self-controlled upright. Holy, disciplined. He must hold firm to, to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Man, mm-hmm. more than the fact that you've been able to sit, into, sit in an office and give the gospel to a famous entertainer, I'm thankful that you're willing to post that on your website and say, this is the standard I'm held to. So I, I applaud that.
0: Well, praise the Lord. I mean, we just want to remind people that's the office that we sit in as a pastor, an elder, that we're held to a, a um, you know, a, a biblical standard of living a life for God. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means we're pursuing those character qualities regularly with the power of the Spirit through regular repentance and faith. And we just want our people to take seriously uh, the teaching of the Word of God. You know, yeah. if I, uh, Kanye asked me one time, you know, uh, he asked me about, you know, is Sunday service a church? And I just said, hey man, that's that's a, it's a concert, it's a testimony time, but it's not a church. He said, well, what do you need to have a church? I said, well, you need a pastor, who's an elder qualified uh, pastor according to First Timothy three one through seven and Titus chapter one five through nine. You need that type of person and hopefully a team of people who fulfill those qualifications in order to call something a church. And I just feel like we've lost that in today's culture a little bit. The local church is the anchor that holds to God's word and to God's people to help pro- provide good teaching and discipleship. And, and, uh, we can't just do our own thing, uh, unconnected to the local body that Christ died for.
1: That's awesome. You know, Adam, I, one of the reasons I was excited to get you on here is because I just had a feeling that that was your heart, that it is the local church. It is, you know, you, you like Brian just said, you don't pastor a mega church. You're faithful in the small and God has continued to bless. And what what that's doing for a lot of the guys that we know that listen to this podcast. They, run, they have churches that have 50, 100, 150, 200, and we want this to continue to be a testimony that stay faithful to the word. Preach the word. The word is what changes lives. It's not our buildings. It's not our, our programs. It's not, it's not the lights, and, and that stuff's nice, but it's fluff. I heard you say that a minute ago. It's staying faithful to the word, and you never know who is hearing the word. The word is what changes lives, not our, you know, like Brian said, where we dive off with the scripture and jump into the swimming pool of the, the content. It's not our ideas or man-made the ideologies that come out because that's when legalism creeps in. If we stay faithful to preach the gospel, God will take that and he will use it. So we want to thank you for being an example and also just a testimony of God using somebody who's faithful to the word and how he's continuing to bless.
3: Yeah, and Adam, I wanted to ask you a question uh, about sanctification. This kind of bleeds back into some of the things we've talked about already. We've defined legalism in the past episodes on this podcast as, first of all, someone who tries to earn favor with God and basically earn their salvation by their performance. That's, you know, by keeping rules, they earn their salvation. That's one type of legalism. That's not really what we were raised in, because we were raised in a denomination— Of Baptists that were preaching justification by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone. They were teaching that. But there's a second layer, I believe, of uh, legalism that you begin to try to maintain your relationship with God by your performance. Can you speak into that a little bit?
0: I just think that uh, we need to be reminded that justification is monergistic, it's 100% a work of God, uh, saving a dead soul. Whereas sanctification is synergistic, and that word syn, S-Y-N, synergistic means to pull together. So it's God's power, and it's your responsibility to grow in progressive sanctification. So uh, it's grace, but there's also some expectation that God has for his children to work hard in obedience, not apart from his grace and not apart from the Spirit but together with God's word and with the spirit of God working in you. It's Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I think that we do need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. I also think we need to preach all of the Bible to ourselves every day. So it's both grace and responsibility, which is also seen so beautifully, even in the Great Commission. You know, I was just teaching a class on biblical counseling here this week, and I was telling my students, I want you to remember that the Great Commission is not just about evangelism, it's also about discipleship. And of course we love evangelism, going to all the world, but it says make disciples of all nations, which is the main verb, and then it goes on to say teaching them to obey All that I've commanded you. All the things. So our goal isn't just to exalt Jesus, though that's an incredible goal, and that is you know, the end-all goal, if you will. But as we exalt Jesus, we also teach people to obey everything in the New Covenant, everything in the New Testament that has, has responsibility in our lives to direct us to what we do do and what we don't do. That's not being legalistic. That's pursuing a greater love for Christ than a love for our sin. And that's understanding that we all still have idols in our hearts that gravitate and want to pull us off the path. And the path is a path of worshiping Jesus and exalting him and living for him because there's nothing greater. You can't find any greater joy in your way of doing things. You can only find complete joy in Jesus and in his word. And as we live out his word, then we have freedom, then we have joy, then we have the the the, the picture of the abundant life in John 10.10 10 that we're supposed to be walking in.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Wow.
1: Preach. Need a good, hey man, right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to ask you, I've, I've absolutely loved having you on today. What what did it feel like to be a blonde-headed white boy walking out and preaching at a Kanye West Sunday service?
0: Yeah, well, the, the first one we did that I was involved in was in Detroit. It was about 6,000 people. It was a mixed audience of Detroit. So I was happy to be there. We were in Motown. And, uh, you know, at that point, I was just like, I'm just going to go out and preach this message that, uh, that I hope will touch hearts and change lives. That same weekend, we went to New York. And we were in uh, an African American church where I was one of the few uh, Caucasian guys in the building, and that was definitely like, all right, this is this is awesome. You know what? First of all, what a privilege! What an opportunity! Yeah. I've, I've grown up where I've been in some situations like that from time to time. It's always refreshing. It always gets me thinking about what I do, why I do it, and I would just say, in many ways, you know, I, I think that's part of what Kanye even wanted to do. He wanted to have a white guy uh, preach in an African-American church because he likes to do things that just kind of stirs up everything. And uh, I think that it was a joy. It was a privilege for me to be there. I even opted to say, hey, Kanye, this isn't right. Or the pastor here doesn't want that. Like, let him preach. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, I don't have to do (laughs) anything. He's like, no, man, I I want you to get up and preach the gospel. So I just think whatever context we're in, whether you're in your own church, whether you're in a church of a different culture, different color, different nation, it's the same Jesus. We worship the same God, and we want to exalt him and be clear, be passionate, be loving, be kind, and see what God does.
2: Well, I have one favor to ask. Um, I want you to thank Kanye for one thing. I'm a father of three daughters. My my daughters have every word to Jesus is King memorized. My seventeen-year-old, my seventeen-year-old loves beats, and so she said, "Daddy, Kanye's the best. His beats are hitting, whatever that means." <laughs> and uh, but here's the cool thing: how awesome is it as a dad that I hear my daughters call out in the house, "Hey, Google, play Jesus is King," and then I hear my daughters, literally rapping every word, word for word to these incredible songs. Their favorite is water. And so they just, man, it's so awesome because think about it, that's that's a culture and a genre that redemption is such a beautiful thing. Mm. And so can you thank him that you tell him there's a pastor who couldn't begin to wrap his way out of a wet paper bag that lives in Virginia. <laughs> that is terminally has, white. <laughs> yes, but who has who has three daughters, that know every single word to Jesus is King, they wrap it with all their hearts and it's ministering to them. Can you let him know that that is greatly appreciated in ways that he can't even begin to understand?
0: Oh man, I'd be happy to. And the good news is he's planning to do more. So awesome. as we speak, that's he's working, awesome. on, uh, working on more stuff and he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, ideas about continuing to roll out great music, both in the gospel music uh, genre in rap. And, you know, that's what's unique about Kanye. I think his style kind of crosses a few different lines and because he's an inventor, if you will, of new sounds and new uh, you know, things that come together to just be so fresh and so different. But then when you put the words in there, the words of life, and the mm. words of Christ's love, and the words of truth, then that makes it meaningful to us who love Jesus.
1: It's incredible. Hey, uh, Adam, we want to pray for you. As we wrap up here, I'm gonna ask Brian to close us out in prayer, if you will. And just, is there any specific way that we can pray
0: for you? Oh, You can just pray for continued wisdom about how to, uh, you know, how to have conversations and times of encouragement when I'm with Kanye and his team how to also be faithful obviously here at our church you know I'm a a husband I'm a father Uh, we're enjoying the quarantine in the sense of having extra time lengthier family devotions lots of games we play together uh, lots of throwing the football out in the yard but you know just wanting to make the most of my life and like I said whether or not I continue to to be able to be a part of Sunday service and some huge platform or whether I never do that again I'm okay because I love Jesus and I want to keep loving him and sharing him in any and every context I'm in. I mean that's just how I feel, but you could pray I would continue to feel that and continue to live that and never be swayed or never be tempted to forfeit anything for any uh, you know for any accolade of any man at any time, but just continue to stay faithful and to say true to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
2: All right, let's awesome. pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Adam. Uh, God, thank you for the post that you have him serving in, and the fact that his foremost desire is to be faithful. God, thank you that uh, he's gospel literate and that uh, people are encountering the truth of the gospel when they encounter him. Lord, I pray that you would help him be a faithful husband and father. Our family uh, is our first ministry. If we gain the whole world and lose our families, I just think You know, he feels the weight of that. I feel the weight of that. And I know JC, Nathan, we all feel the weight of that. So Lord, help him to disciple his family well, to live out the gospel well in front of them as a husband and a dad. Lord, I pray that you would continue to use his preaching ministry, whether that's in the pulpit at the church that he pastors, or if that's Sunday service. Lord, we we don't know who you're going to bring into his life. We don't know who Who Kanye's salvation is going to to bring uh, in the end into Adam's office so that he's going to have another opportunity. God, we don't know who you might be working in and and the work that you're doing according to your sovereign power. We don't know who you're you're dealing with and who you're going to transform and change. But God, I pray that you would strengthen him as a preacher of your word, um, as a lover of the gospel, as a faithful husband a faithful dad, and that you would continue to use him. And Lord, I pray this over him, that the greatest, most effective days of ministry he has ever known will still be in the future. I pray that for him in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. 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 Adam, thanks for being here with us today, brother.
1: Hey, it's been a joy.
0: You. I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you for helping uh, all of us love Christ more and exalt him with all of our lives.
1: That's it hey we want to thank our sponsor J Radio for uh, sponsoring this episode of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to go and listen to them. They have all kinds of different genres. They've got alternative rock, they got disco, they got reggae, they got Brian's favorite electronic dance music, man. They've got all kinds of music at jradio.com. There it is. <laughs> and uh, be sure to check them out today. All right. Hey guys, it's been a great day and uh, we hope to see you back here with us next time. See you later. Peace.